0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sandy Grimoli
1: Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I spent my Thursday doing two things trying to keep up with the uh, breakneck pace of the NBA trade deadline and try to recover from what was a rather busy and newsy Wednesday for the Washington Commanders. Ron Rivera spoke with me, as along with a bunch of other uh, reporters, and from that came a bunch of different topics, including uh, thoughts on uh, Sam Howell and the quarterback uh, competition, I'm going to call it, uh, Chase Young, and, and possibly – Is it possible they declined his fifth-year option? Eric Bannemi and the offensive coordinator search. Uh, But also, Roger Goodell held his press conference and was asked about Dan Snyder and the Mary Jo White investigation. Um, There there was some other – there was some chatter out there, we'll say, about Dan Snyder and and the potential timing on the sale. A bunch of that, Deron Payne talk, a, a whole lot more. Rather than just sort of wing this, I, I called in a favor and got the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein, to come on with me to talk about that. We chatted earlier today about everything that went down yesterday and, of course, a bunch more regarding this team. Um, yeah, always interesting talking to Bram, who's got great insight uh, for sure. So we'll get to all of that here in a moment on the Standard room Groom Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting, um, Always appreciate it. Of course, everybody subscribing to the podcast and, um, p- being nice about whatever they're saying. I, I, I can live with criticism as well, but you know, nice is always better. Um, and of course, also thanks for checking out the athletic, my Ron Rivera, uh, conversation. I posted it up on the athletic in a and a format with some context as well. So you can check that out. But Bram and I do talk about a lot of, of that here as well. Um, So, yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, Bram and I, if I didn't already say this, we talked, of course, about Super Bowl, Super Bowl uh, Sunday. Hopefully, everybody has some plans or uh, is getting ready to enjoy the game, the last game of the season. Um, You know, and probably one that features the two best teams in the league this year, ultimately. I mean, you can debate uh, Cincinnati or uh, maybe even Buffalo in the AFC. But Kansas City, you know, really was kind of out front, it felt like, the whole year. And Philadelphia... You know, really, just kind of raced out to a strong start, as we know, uh, until they ran into a bus on week ten. And um, and you know, they, you know, they had a really, really good year. I think for me, the key for this game, there's a bunch of keys. Obviously, both teams have really good lines on both sides. Can somebody, you know, t- is there a tipping point there? But for and, and obviously, we'll see what's up with Mahomes' is his ankle, Patrick Mahomes' ankle. But for me, I, I've said this before, but Jalen hurts. I just want to see what he does in a big spot. Um, I'm not saying he hasn't had a really good year, that he wasn't worthy of MVP votes and all that, uh, and that he isn't a promising player. But it's a big spot. He was already just in some other big spots with the NFC Championship game and the other in the earlier playoff game. But the Eagles were not in danger in either one of those games. What happens when you get behind to Patrick Mahomes? What happens then? And that's what I want to see. We've seen some great players over the years come up short in big games. We've seen other ones thrive. That's what I just want to see. And since Jalen Hurts hasn't done this and hasn't been there, and Patrick Mahomes has, I'm leaning towards the Chiefs in this one. Um, I think I've been saying 24-20. That feels maybe a little bit low, but that's what I've been going with. Um, so we'll see uh, about that. But Bram and I talk about more about the Super Bowl as uh, One last thing I want to say before we get to my conversation is um, you know, because Rivera came on the record and made the comments about not just about Sam Howell, but but the type of investment the team is willing to make right now for this other quarterback. And you know, Rivera made it pretty clear they're not going to be investing in you know a, a lot of money or a lot of picks to acquire some player. So that we can kind of automatically rule out not you know they're Derek Carrs, Aaron Rodgers maybe even Jimmy Garoppolo, et cetera. Um, and I just wanted to point out that like, if you know, for the listeners here of this podcast, we've been talking about this for weeks. This wasn't some big revelation. The moment that they said that Sam Howe, that that they were telling uh, coordinator candidates that Sam Howe was going to enter camp um, most likely as the, star, as the QB1, which is again, different than starting week one. That was that was it that was the sign right there um you you don't promote sam howe in that way to then bring somebody else in who's automatically going to be ahead of him just based on salary or status or whatever and i only say that because like every time it it, it's just so weird to me sometimes that whenever some information comes out that's already been discussed at least in some places like this podcast, that people act like it's such a go. Like, oh, look at that. I mean, yeah, sure. And th- this is just the most recent example. This happens frequently. You know, even like with, say, the defensive line situation and whether or not uh, Chase Young's fifth-year option is going to be picked up or not, we'll see where that goes. I, you know, and Bram and I do talk about that a lot. But the the point for for months, I've been talking about the Daron Payne situation for, since last year, is that it's not realistic for them to bring back all four guys. Somebody would have to go. Jaron Payne was the, the, the first, uh, l- most likely person to not come back. That's why I re- talked about it last year, why I looked into reporting it, why we uh, talked all the time about asset allocation. He obviously had a great year, and now we'll see what Washington, if they re- if they uh, decide to, to revisit that, to, to what degree. Rivera's fronting that they will. The point though is that it's not whether one specifically was coming back; it's that somebody wasn't coming back. And again, people act like now like this is like some big reveal. So I don't know. I'm just I appreciate the fact that people are listening to this podcast. I try to be. Uh, I guess I'm being really self congratulatory here for I don't even know why, but I I, I tried my best to. Not just tell you what people say or what people are saying if it's off the record, but try to give you context with it. It's It's too many times, I think, that in in media in general that like people just say what is being said or they lean in hard because somebody is giving them information and they're taking that as gospel. It's not gospel. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's the truth. But a lot of times... Like we do in all our lives. Like it, it like think of it like Facebook. Everybody is always trying to put forth that like they're living their best life. Teams are the same way. It's not, you know, it's ultimately a business. They want you to come in, spend your money, watch the games, whatever it may be, and they want to, you know, try to make everybody feel better. And of course, there's logic to that from a pure sales perspective, but that's not my job. And, you know, depends what kind of fan you are. Some people just want to be flat out homers and face painters and believe it's all good. And I'm not knocking that rock on, but I think it's also important, you know, to be a thinker about this stuff. And then when it, when stuff, so when stuff happens, you're not completely caught off guard. You're like, yeah, I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the game. Balls can bounce different ways, but in terms of like planning and strategy and trying to decipher what they're saying, like just, you know, it, 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 it can be done. And we, we try to do it here. And this, uh, some of the things Rivera was saying, not just about the quarterback, but but beyond. It just kind of struck me funny for some reason. So that's why I'm saying what I'm saying. All right, enough of that. By the way, uh, John Wall got traded from the Clippers to the Rockets, and it sounds like the Rockets are going to buy him out. I, I do not anticipate John Wall coming to the Wizards, for those who are, are, are thinking that out there. Um, even more than that, I'm wondering if John Wall gets picked up by another team. We'll see. But the fact that the Clippers are moving on from him – I feel like it says a little bit about something, and I, I hope I hope for the best for John, but uh, kind of a bummer that uh, this is where he's at uh, with his career at this point. There you go. All right, no more no more uh, sidebars. We're going straight NFL. Bram Weinstein and I talking about all things Ron Rivera discussed uh, on Wednesday, uh, Roger Goodell's comments, the Super Bowl, a whole bunch more here on the Standard Group Only podcast. All right, as promised, joining us here on the podcast to discuss a busy day uh Wednesday in Commander's Land and uh more things to come. Plus, there's a big there's a big game this weekend. I don't know if you're aware of that. Who better than discuss all these things with us than the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein, my, my guy? Thank you uh for, for for doing this. Uh when you woke up yesterday, did you think uh Wednesday, February eighth would be the busiest Commander's Day in some time?
2: No. Uh I was unaware that Ron Rivera was doing the rounds and I was unaware that he was going to throw a couple fastballs. So uh no, I I I expected a quiet week and I expect next week to get the, to be the busy week with uh Eric B. Enemy watch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And plus like you know the Super Bowl, I know the league in general would pro- would prefer to a lot of it, big news wait till after the Super Bowl. I don't know if they are mad at the uh, the Brooklyn Nets for trading Kevin Durant during <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl week, or LeBron setting the record for points in a, in a for a career. But okay, that aside, you know it, the things that they can somewhat control, they would prefer to wait. So We may even get some at least somewhat updates on the ownership situation um, come uh, next um, come next week. But yeah, I wasn't expecting it. Now I was aware that Rivera was going to talk, since I was one of the people get They did get to speak with him, but nonetheless, uh, it was interesting because a bunch of us were asking him questions from different locations, so you never know exactly what other people were going to get to. Um, all that said, you tell me, I mean, I don't think there was a lot said it, about the ownership deal yesterday, either with Roger Goodell or some of the reports, but anything with Dan Snyder is the most interesting aspect of this franchise, right? I mean, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Goodell said that there is a process ongoing, but it's up to the Snyders to control it, whether that means bringing in. A minority partner or selling it outright uh where are you at right now with your uh, watch uh, the sale watch are you on your you know pins and needles or are you just like wake me up when it's over or where are you at
2: uh so in december there were people you know like the inner circle for dance hider is very small i'm not part of it um but the people who i know who are on the outer rim of the inner circle and still don't know don't know were pretty consistently telling me that they expect this to happen fast and they met a sale. Um, but this is December and things change. And not that I assume that anything has really changed. And what fast meant, I think, to a lot of people at the time was, oh my God, this could happen in January to fast meaning by the time the owner's meeting rolls around is actually for a transaction of this level fast. So I still think we're on track for that. Um, but I don't know what I don't know. And I've kind of just like, for me personally, I've kind of just business as usual, you know, like I don't think that this transition is going to change very much. um, I don't think, you know, initially in the organization. So I'm going about my business the way, you know, that I would. And then for the team itself, I think the bigger question is like, what can they do in free agency in the draft? Um, Will Dan Snyder authorize large balloon signing bonus payments to Deron Payne? Or if they were like if Lamar Jackson suddenly becomes available, would they then somehow be be, uh, involved in a conversation like that? Because it would cost two hundred million dollars guaranteed money. Like so from the team perspective, you know, I think like everybody would love some clarity because I think it's very hard to move forward with the big money deals, filling out the roster, getting set for the draft. I don't really feel like much is very different. And honestly, the team is operating like it isn't.
1: Yeah, I mean I did ask, you know, we asked Ron Rivera at the end of the season press conference what um what would be different for him if anything because of this ownership uncertainty and he said, you know, business as usual. I asked him about this again yesterday when I spoke with him and he said effectively he's he's laid out his plan to the Snyder's and they seem to be cool with it. So he was um you know, again sort of business as, as usual but you're right i mean it's not really business as usual until we know m- more clarity on what dan Snyder is willing uh and able to uh, is allowing them to to do from a money standpoint hiring an offensive coordinator is not that big of a deal i mean the biggest really? question there will be does the person get a two-year contract with the uncertainty that rivera faces and you know honestly the, the, this could be one of those things where say yeah ken i, I presume ken zampizzi is already under contracts uh just this- Move him over there and and move forward. So I don't think the Snyder thing is a like I I am sort of just kind of to a degree. Wake me up when it's over. Other than the fact that like I have to you know try to find news.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean for me like um okay so Deron Payne is you know issue one clearly. If you listened to Ron Rivera yesterday, I think it was pretty clear that they would like to sign him. Um, in about as he he went about it as, as careful a way as he possibly could. But the way he when he described it as you know like. Um, you know, this guy earned this and we need to reward him and it cost us. It read to me like they would like to get that done. Can they, Can they give him a top five defensive tackle contract that involves the signing voters and involves um, without the Snyder's approval or whoever potentially be the next owner's approval? And that won't come for a while. And if that's not going to come for a while, is Deron Payne and his representation going to be satisfied playing on a franchise tag? Because Washington clearly isn't just going to let him walk in free agency. Then on the second level, there's Camp Curl. Like he's not a free agent, but I think we all know that that is a candidate for someone who probably would not play on his current deal in the final year of his contract. I don't think he would. I haven't heard that, but I can't imagine his representation and seeing what his dad tweets all the time that they have an <laughs> expectation that things are going to change this, this spring. And I think they know this. Um, I've heard nothing about extending Montez Sweat. You know, he's entering in the last year of his contract too. And then when Ron Rivera says, we're hedging on whether we're going to pick up a fifth year option on chase young. Well, guess what? Like if they actually followed through with that and actually didn't pick it up, they'd have Sweat and young on expiring contracts at the same time, which I think begins a host of other conversations, you know, let alone they need to fill out their roster. And there are a couple of positions that I do think it screams, they got to spend some money in free agency on linebacker, whether it's Cole Holcomb or somebody else, Uh, potentially interior offensive line, because I don't think you're going to get the tackle you want at the money that you want. Um, So there's money that needs to be spent to fill this team's roster up. It's not just drafting people, It's not just finding whoever the, you know, low-tier veteran quarterback is that's going to compete with Sam Howell, I think, like, that's business as usual to me. You know, finding some veterans at lower-tier prices to fill out a roster that gets you up against a cap number, that's not what I think is an issue at all to me. Or, like, scouting isn't an issue. Or, you know, getting their draft preparation isn't an issue to me. It's these big-ticket things. And these big-ticket things, if they get pushed off or delayed, um, can cascade on them. And that's where I kind of need to know, like, where they are on that stuff.
1: Yeah, for 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 sure. All right, so um, I, I, just to go back to the Snyder point for a second, there was a report from a Fox Business reporter about whatever, and and like I I I ended up like going on uh, doing some a TV hit yesterday based off of this, and I guess I well, this my my basic point to everybody on the Snyder thing is similar to what I was saying about this, you know, two years ago. Every time something would come up about. Could it? Could this be the end of it? Could this report? Could this investigation? I would say just, just wait. Whatever is being reported in this sort of basic way is not going to be the thing. Like I don't see somebody breaking this story on a tweet. Okay, so
2: yeah, I don't. either.
1: just be patient. I mean, I get it. It's not easy to be patient. If things like th- it, it feels like things are heading in the in the right direction, assuming you want Dan Snyder to sell, uh, but the question is the timing. Is it going to happen by the by the March? Owners' meeting, Thus, the owners would be together, can vote on it. You know, if if that's the case, then something needs to get done here ahead of that. But we'll, we'll 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 see. I mean, with like just the Jeff Bezos thing as an example, one one day he's not bidding, he's not doing anything. The next day, oh, he's clearly going to be the, still the front runner. Nobody knows what they're talking about. So just be no, patient. Of course not.
2: And- yeah. and especially, it's funny. Like when I see reports, especially about Bezos or Snyder, these are two of the most inaccessible people on earth. So, like, (laughs) whoever is even writing that is speculating about them. Okay, I've worked for this organization for years and years and years. He's an inaccessible person. It's not that I haven't talked to him or haven't interacted with him, but the circle is very small with him. And, as you know, he doesn't speak to the media. He doesn't leak a lot of things. When they do speak on behalf of the ownership, it comes typically via a press release or a statement from PR people. So like, he's not talking to anybody and I haven't seen anything in logical places where he would speak. And Jeff Bezos does public interviews like once every three years and everybody's been running off of him sitting with his girlfriend on CNN saying they like football as that means he's going to buy the team. And even that tweet yesterday, I'm not discrediting what the guy wrote, like, because, you know, like maybe he does have sources in the NFL that tell him, but it's all wishful thinking. They want Jeff Bezos to swoop in and buy the team because they want one of the wealthiest people on earth to buy an NFL team. Duh. It just hasn't happened yet. And until this thing pops up, we'll see. But all along, there's been a lot of stuff like Dan Snyder's house for sale Potomac. It was for sale a couple of years ago. He bought a different location. Like, that doesn't mean anything. He... He uh, signed some paperwork where there's some residency in London. He and his wife have been on a yacht in Europe for a very long time, and they own things in overseas, and it's all for tax purposes to to state residency for things like that. It means nothing. He's going to sell the Washington. He's going to make Jeff Bezos sell the Washington Post. No, he's not. Jeff Bezos doesn't have to do that if he doesn't want to to buy an NFL team. So, like all of these reports to me are fodder, and I, I, you know, I get it. Like I want to know the answers too. You're more in a position where you'd like to get the news. I'm more in a reactionary mode and I'm not in a position where I feel like I should be digging around to try to make news. So I'm waiting and waiting and seeing, but I'm kind of reading all this stuff too, going, none of us know what's going on. Like, and every time I hear Bezos from NFL sources, they expect him to do this. I do believe that while that may be true, I do believe that that's totally wishful thinking on the part of the owners that they want him part of the club.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, just just tread lightly on that. Uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 I the, the Josh Harris, the guy who also owns the Sixers and net and uh New Jersey Devils, he seems like an interesting candidate. But that's not based on. I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you. that's not based on reporting. It's just based on you know what what you as best you can figure out who these people are about the level of seriousness and also the fact to some degree that he's not getting discussed like to the degree that like yeah. the Bezos it, it, Bezos is. is look as Bram and I can can tell you based on the things we do uh SEO which is the thing that describes like how to drive traffic you know it's it's the term to, to discuss driving traffic on the on on the internet for yourself Jeff Bezos is going to get traffic Josh yes, Harris course. is not so I'm not saying he's the front runner I'm just saying these are the reasons why some of these things get discussed in the way that they, Get discussed,
2: well, and I also think like and I think this is fair too. Like Dan Snyder wants to get the highest price for the team. The NFL wants to get the highest price for the team. It's it's that's their there's a mutual best interest part of this whole thing. They want the Commanders to sell for the highest level value they can possibly get. If Jeff Bezos's name is attached and it's real, um there is the threat to anybody else that no matter how rich these billionaires are, they can be outbid if he so chooses to do so. So. Uh, the stalking horse part of this, I think, is real and that his name keeps getting circulated is it matters for the team. And in the end um, on Josh Harris, I can't talk um, specifically a lot about him, but I have had some experience doing some work um, through other, you know, other entities that I, I work with, uh, with the Harris Blitzer group uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. And a lot of the stuff that they've done with the Devils and the Sixers. Obviously, he's from here. Um, I would describe him. Uh, to the best of my knowledge of how they do it is I I, he's more kind of in a Ted Leonsis type of role up in that he's trying to build an actual sports empire. He's dedicated to building the sports part of this. The part for Bezos to me that has been confusing is I'm not so sure like none of us really know how badly he'd like to own an NFL team. And frankly, considering who he is and what he does, I have a hard time buying that even if he does buy the team, that he's going to have a corner office in Ashburn and run day to day operations. I don't think that would be the case. But in the case of someone like Josh Harris, I can tell you pretty confidently that that would be the case. This would be a hands on owner. It would kind of be a Leonsis model of trying to build out kind of a, a dynamic, um, you know, regional sports empire. And so I think it would be a different level of ownership. I'm not rooting for one or the other. And like like you, I'm more just sitting back and waiting to see what happens here. And whoever the owner is is who the owner is. And, you know, I hope they let me uh, call the place forever. That's all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. There we go. <laughs> Ultimately, what's what, 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 what best for all of us? That's, a, what, uh, that's just that's a dirty little secret. Um, yeah, our, I mean, like, that's like, the,
2: here's what's best for all of us. And I, I don't even think this needs to be said. But, like, I don't think this team is ever moving anywhere. But that's what's best for all of us. They stay here and they grow. That That's what's best for all of us.
1: They, they, there you go. All right. So to the Ron Rivera of it all yesterday, a lot to discuss about the football team and we'll, for each one, we'll get into whether this is like actually significant or just something to say. Um, But I do think the most potentially significant thing that was said yesterday in the various uh, conversations with Rivera had to do with Chase Young and the fifth year option Rivera speaking out in Phoenix. He was, uh, uh, he he's being honored um crap i don't i forgot you what's the name of t- the service award salute the service, salute yeah. service award, yeah right he he's uh being honored this year uh at the during super bowl week and um he was made available to some of us accordingly but he also spoke to some of the reporters there including um our uh pals michael phillips and uh, Nikki javala and they asked him about chase young's fifth year option which i To me, seems like you know, relative no brainer. Something they have to make a decision on in a few in a few months from now. And you know, there's look, there's questions. I mean, it's it's like 17.4 million would be his level based on having reached a Pro Bowl. And look, obviously he's talented, but you know he hasn't played much in the last two years. Only has one and a half sacks in his last 11 games, and they got all their defensive linemen to pay. That said, you figure the answer is going to be some version of yeah, we you know, value chase and want to you know move forward and all that but yeah. he was kind of instead he was kind of like well we'll see like we're undecided that uh you know it's hard to know exactly w- what to make of this because you know he's had some injuries but also look i mean you know look at the year deron Payne just had playing on while it was deron Payne's fifth year option it was also his last year of his deal and maybe there's some yeah. motivation to that and you know he said a couple other things does any of that for you ring true that you think this is an actual plan that they actually could go forward and not extend Chase Young? Or not to pick 50, up the option? To the
2: fifth-year option? Yeah, not to uh, up the, the fifth-year fifth year option. option. Okay. Um, and so, without...
1: to be, so just to be clear, this year, 2023, he's under contract. We're talking right. about 2024, but teams have to pick that up, that fifth-year option up for first-round players a year in advance. So that's right. why it's a discussion
2: which is why they did it with Deron Payne but they did not extend him you'll recall I think even you were reporting it that like they were having potential trade conversations with him in the offseason because now's the time to do something like that um Duran obviously bet on himself by playing. I think Rivera, um, you know, really kind of lauded him for not doing what they call the hold in these days. He might not have been happy with the situation, but he did everything he was asked to do. I think with some minor exceptions very early in like the OTAs where I, he wasn't overly participating and then we were wondering what was going on, but once camp rolled around, he participated and obviously in an outstanding year. Um, so Rivera is, you know, kind of using that as an example of um, you know, if you prove it to us, like on the other side, we are willing to pay you in either way, Duran's going to get a lot of money off of the year that he had. I think Chase is really more than anything is about his health. Do they believe that he can get back to being physically the player that he was pre this injury and only they know the answer to that. And, you know, having, you know, dealt with Ron for a few years now, I don't expect him to tell me all of that. So I'll, I won't know the full, full truth, but I know most of it. And I was, frankly, surprised uh, that he said that. Um, But as someone who kind of follows movement and cap very closely, because I think it's a precursor to a lot of moves in general, and it's not just about talent, but there has to be room on a cap. um, The idea to me that they could go into next season with Montez Sweat and Chase Young both on expiring contracts, which is what would be the case if they followed through with this and didn't pick up his fifth-year option feels a touch untenable to me um i think it would it potentially would would bring a lot of problems into the locker room where it would almost feel as if they're competing with one another for one deal on the other side and i don't like that setup personally i think that that you're asking for a lot of trouble you're going to get a lot of agents chirping very early about my guys doing this or my guys doing that and i really feel like that could be problematic at best so Um, And I haven't heard a whisper of Montez Sweat getting extended. You know, he's heading into the final year of his contract as well. Um, I think with Payne being prioritized, Hurl likely having to get something. They have to do something at linebacker and probably on the offensive line. I don't think Sweat's going to get a long-term deal unless it's going to be semi-team friendly. And I I don't even know if they're going to approach him. So the idea that he and Young would go into the season next year, both on expiring contracts, to me, I'd be surprised if that was the case, which I think means when push comes to shove, they are gonna have to pick up this fifth-year option on Chase Young. But I do believe like the messaging was very clear that being uncertain about it is a very, very powerful message that was sent to the young camp.
1: Uh if he if he grasps it like uh Chase Young and I are very different in several ways.
0: <laughs>
1: One of them is the um uh what's the term I'm looking for? Uh he's like he he lacks self-awareness relative to me and I think to a lot of people. And I that would be the question, is he aware of what this appears to be a message more than a threat? Would be my would would be my view. But like can I go extend your uh Untenable point about the the Chase Young Montez Sweat both possibly playing in their final year and possibly therefore competing for a contract. What if they give Deron Payne the franchise tag? Yeah. Now it's three. Now it's three. And yeah, and and and, uh, and oddly enough, you know, even though it wouldn't be a lot more, John Allen would be making less money than Deron Payne at that point. He would be making less money than Deron Payne if Deron Payne signs a an extension as well with the with the market expected having talked to people that exceed 20 million a year and yeah. potentially even significantly more than that for some for some of these uh, players not necessarily washington's but some in the market so yeah that's going to be a really interesting thing and you know obviously if, uh, the, the the season ended the way that it ended eight eight and one collapse at the end but one of the reasons i think they were able to sustain themselves throughout the year overcoming that slow start etc was i think they have pretty good team chemistry they have pretty good the, the culture term gets overused but i really do think those guys in the locker room really do like each other i really do think they get along well
2: i agree i know some people think that that's like overstated um i've been around it long enough been in enough locker rooms you know the ones where the guys actually genuinely get along and the ones where they don't and this one did this was a very like from a teepers i know there's a lot of things on the outside that are you know that fans have a really hard time with and, and i agree with them on a lot of them but like on the inside, in this particular case, it was hard kind of not to like this team and and, and really kind of it, the enthusiasm that was there for one another. It was um, it was palpable. And, you know, I, that was something like I was when the season was over and they didn't make the playoffs. I was I didn't think they were going to go very far, but I was highly disappointed because it was one of the best locker rooms I had been in. And I thought they were talented enough to do it. So on both levels, it was hard to kind of say goodbye to it without feeling like it that it reached where it should have gotten to. And then just secondarily, this was one of the more huggable locker rooms we've had in a long time around here.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub,
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why that Jeremy
1: Reeves video at the end of the year was so impactful, it wasn't just that his story per se, but it was also the person. I mean, you can, you know, like when he was a guy who was getting cut every year, he was like, people were like, "Oh, Jeremy Reeves, he's like one of my favorite players." So when a guy like that is able to, you know, make the make the team officially play, have a role, and then have the accolades he did, like the emotion there is real the, the connection is and that's and the players feel this as well and, and obviously he's more of a deep cut roster guy but whether you're talking about Tress Way Terry McLaurin uh, a bunch of other guys that, 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 that these players really uh, rally around I mean Taylor Heineke as well of course um who may or may not be here uh next year speaking of the quarterbacks oh actually let me ask you this Duron Payne, Montez Sweat, Chase Young. If you if yeah. you have to give one, because by the way, they could give Chase Young an extension now. He is extension eligible, or they will be. You know, once a business year starts, you you only give one of them a multi year deal. Who are you giving it to?
2: So I'm hoping that it's going to be that it, it's not a choice of one of the three. That it's two of the three. Right. Um, We've kind of felt all along that it's going to be, you know, the odd man out would probably be pain because there was just this assumption that the edge rushers would get the money in the end. But obviously um, things have changed. Um, one more thing on Chase Young, and I think it just needs to be said, um, they were extraordinarily thin at the linebacker position and got like almost they had one viable linebacker playing once Cole Holcomb got hurt. Um, and then they were really thin at corner and then and and so like two prominent areas of your defense were extraordinarily vulnerable and they ended up with a top three defense without Chase Young that's very telling to me and I like so like when you talk about messages and and like like I think Ron Rivera sent his camp another message he's done so through the years but this one was a very powerful one We're going to talk about whether we're picking up a fifth year option with you now, which felt like a no brainer considering where he was picked, who he is, how big a star he is, where he's from, how the fan base at least initially totally took to him. It didn't like even he's off the injury. It felt like like I was surprised, like I was surprised just because of who he is. And that was a message yesterday. And then if you really think back to last year and you go, he didn't play or barely played, you know, at the end of the year and they were a top three defense without them, maybe, maybe. And I think we've all thought this because edge rushers are game breakers and game busters, and they get a lot of money for doing that. Um, we just assumed if you have people like that and Chase Young is your TJ Watt or Nick Bosa or whoever you want to call him, well, you're just going to pay him to keep them because that's the person that turns the game upside down. After what Allen and Payne did together, they may be looking at this, and considering I know everyone laughs at them when they talk about all the, like, we want to run an offense, it's kind of run first and run forward, and it sounded from 1986 or sounded something like Joe Gibbs of the Hogs. Um, I, I mean, have you watched San Francisco play or Miami play or Philadelphia play? They're actually a run-first team. All of them are like their run game is very different than the one that Washington was presenting. And I think that's why Ron Rivera and we can get to, you know, the offense if you want, like, I think that's why they're looking at this differently. They want to run it differently, but it doesn't change the fact that they want to be physical and run forward. Some of the best teams in the NFL that don't have Pat Mahomes on it are actually doing this. Like they're actually either 50, 50 run or setting up most drives with run off of play action, all these things that he's talking about that he wants to do. Um, and so maybe, They are looking at it defensively and going, if trend-wise this is kind of where this is going, then maybe having the best defensive tackle tandem locked up is actually the better way to go, and we're going to build inside out. And maybe that's the change in mentality. The idea to me is three of these four would be signed if they all ended up being good enough. I think Payne has – I've turned on this. Like initially I kind of thought I think they may trade him because of uncertainty with the offseason, because of uncertainty to give him the money – and they already signed Allen. Um, after what I heard yesterday, it almost makes me feel like they're going to be they're going to sign Payne some one way or the other, um, and they're going to go with those those two. Payne and Allen is kind of the 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 core of the defense, and either Sweat or Young will end up getting one of these deals. And at this point, for me to guess which one it's going to be, I really don't know. And I actually feel like it's going to come down to whether Chase Young if his knee allows him to and then secondarily if he becomes the guy they expected him to be and if they don't um then i think montez sweat will be getting a contract next year and we're going to be having a really really hard conversation about chase young
1: right and obviously as we discussed at the top so much of this is hard to predict because of the ownership situation like i don't know that i see dan snyder saying we're going to move on from uh chase young but you know who knows um it's all fascinating. It's all really interesting. The fact that Chase Young and Montez Sweat have the same agent is interesting as well. Uh, as As we move forward here, um, so we will see how um, how all that unfolds. Um, yeah, I, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. All I right, mean, there's
2: let's... one other thing too. Like, just again, like off of like, go look at what happened last year with the defense itself. Right? It, they performed really, really well, albeit with some major vulnerabilities. The last thing I'll, I'll say about it is this. Who's the leader of the defense? It's Sean Allen. Like, that's not in question anymore. And part of that was Chase couldn't play. So, what's he going to do? You know, like he's not, but, but still, like, I think that's pretty solidified who the captain of the defense is at this point, too. And I like, I know that stuff shouldn't matter, but it does. Like, it definitely does. So, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, set sail of like they're moving away from Chase Young, but that was clearly a message. And you know what, honestly, I don't mind in, in really thinking about it, that Rivera did it. He's played hardball with a lot of people and he, you know what, if his message to chase young is we expect greatness out of you and anything really short of that is going to be a disappointment to us. I really don't have a problem with that message back to him at all.
1: I, I will just say the next time when we ask a question, that something that's coming up and they say that he Rivera says some version of, you know, we're going to keep this in house or whatever it's. He does what he needs to do in the moment he didn't keep this in house with case young comment he just told us all out, flat out Here's here's where i'm thinking didn't have to do that but he
2: did because he wanted to get a point out he wanted to get a point across yeah Correct. like he's actually you know in season he will kind of say a couple things and, and it'll kind of get him in trouble but at this time of year every time he says something it's extraordinarily purposeful like when they were at this time last year they were They were, he was loudly telling anybody who would listen, they were going to get a quarterback (laughs) almost to the point of, they didn't care which one they got. They were just going to get one and they did. And so that's why I take what he said about Chase Young very seriously. I don't think it's a bluff. I think it was a message. I don't think it means they won't pick up the fifth year option for all the reasons we talked about earlier. I think it's very hard to have him and Montez sweat on expiring contracts at the same time, but I do think it was a message of, we need to talk seriously about what your future is here now and um and that's something that i think should it, that is not a bluff to me at all it's a message
1: yeah. and by the way just lastly on this and we'll move on to some of the other topics with Chase young the big issue as we know in 2021 was the lack of discipline that rivera was seeing on defense and chase young was the poster child for that and even when he left when he got hurt that year they seem to Improve in that area. James Smith Williams, Casey Tuhill are obviously not in Chase Young's potential level, but they do what they need to do. And it always reminds me this is a very old cut here. Um, and I'm sure there's a probably more uh, up to date NBA reference I should think of, but you, Bram, will know this. Back in the day with the Lakers, the Magic Johnson Lakers, and you had Magic Johnson and Kareem and James Worthy and Byron Scott, these all, all these all stars. But the fifth starter was a guy you're like, wait, where did, who's Kurt Rambis? Where did this guy come from? It's because yeah. when you have a group like this, you can't all be doing what you want to do to a degree unless you're the super talented. Somebody has to do the quote unquote dirty work or in this case with the defensive line, hold the edge. So Montez Sweat, who's obviously now the premier defensive end that they have, can maybe not freelance, but do what he needs to do. And same with John Allen and Payne. Somebody needs to hold the ship, hold, hold their hold their yeah. or just do their job. And they've been able to do that in ways that, obviously, if Chase Young comes back, he's realistically their fourth-best defensive lineman right now. Um, But, you know, where is he with his – not just physical, but his mental. Um, All right, let's move off of them. We're deep into this, and I probably have to let Bram go at some point, but that's fine. We haven't gotten to the quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, I haven't also gotten to the offensive coordinator yet. We'll get to that after this. So, Ron Rivera had some things to say about the quarterback. Now, what he said – was very much in line with what several of us reported a couple of weeks ago, and that is that they're viewing Sam Howell as the QB1 entering the off-season program and training camp. It was misinterpreted by a bazillion people, including outlets and all this, with headlines that says, Brown Rivera says Sam Howell's the starter. He didn't say that. In he fact, didn't say he, that. He made it, because I, I kept pressing him on this, and he made it abundantly clear to me. His quote was, I'm not anointing anyone. Sam's yeah. gonna have to earn it. That Could somehow he... got lost in translation with yesterday. And I maintained that when the original comment was made about how or the original report got there, it was right after the season ending that season ending press conference, getting a lot of heat about Carson Wentz, the Scott Turner thing would happen soon. It was a good narrative change, if nothing else. And there's no reason to change it if you're them now. They don't have another quarterback, so everything is a hypothetical to this point other than we have a little more clarification officially on the type of guy they're going to look into bring for competition, but that's how I saw what yesterday was. It's fine. Sam, Howell's interesting. It would be great if a cheap guy, a cheap contract guy could start for your quarterback. We have a long way to go before we're there, not just in calendar wise, but let's see who they add and, and what, and how everything transpires during the off season workouts.
2: It's pretty clear to me that, um, and I, I, I initially I was skeptical that this would happen, but I now believe it will. And I have for a couple of weeks, they are going to hire somebody from the outside to be the offensive coordinator. Um, and then whoever that may be. And I think they're going to try to get Eric the enemy and we'll see if that works out. It sounds like he's probably going to be in demand if it's just going to be an offensive coordinator position and not a head coaching position. So we'll see if they can convince him to come here. If it's not him, it will be somebody else. And What will be interesting after that is the, you know, like, is he going to just work with who's on the staff or is he going to bring in his own staff? So there could be many changes to go with that. And then typically this is how this works. Uh, The offensive coordinator wants somebody in the room that knows their offense. So I don't know exactly who that is. And I can't imagine if it's Eric B. Enemy that we're signing Chad Henney because he's 38 years old or whatever he is at this point. He is a free agent.
1: I do believe, but yeah, he
2: is. So, like, the backup quarterback here is going to be someone who's familiar with the offensive coordinator's offense, if for no other reason, to help Sam Howell. So, who that other person is going to be is going to be very important and, in all likelihood, is going to have a deep, long relationship, especially if they're not in the business of trying to acquire a top-tier quarterback, which they're not. Um, I think their minds would change. If Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson were truly available, and I don't know how you wouldn't be part of a conversation like that, but assuming that neither of them are, and this team doesn't want to trade a million draft picks to get up in the top five to get one of the three best quarterbacks available, they've decided this is the way they want to go. And so I, you know, this to me kind of spells the end for Taylor Heineke, frankly, I think. Um, I think they're going to bring in a quarterback who's a veteran who has a relationship with whoever the new offensive coordinator is, and they may draft somebody else to come in here to be a third quarterback. But I agree with you. Um, what I don't know why R- Rivera was very clear about what he said. He's going to have every opportunity to win the job. He did not say he's anointing him anything. But considering what it looks like, um, he's going to have not only every opportunity. He should win the job. And if he doesn't, that will be somewhat disappointing. That will be a somewhat disappointing uh, end of spring in OTAs if he doesn't win it. If if this plays out the way I expect it to, which is a not high-priced veteran quarterback who knows whoever's offense is coming in here to help kind of streamline the process and be there just in case, you know, there's an injury. But the object is to be a backup to Sam Howell and get him up to speed with this new offense as fast as possible. Right, and so to that end, like
1: again, I, if you and anybody who's been listening to this podcast and, and, and has has heard me say it, like there once once the report came out about that, uh, the, the, the 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 reports we all had put out there a few weeks ago came out that Sam Howe was at a minimum the the viewed as the QB one entering the offseason program. That took them out of the things like the Derek Carr sweepstakes yeah. or the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. And, and also it connects with what we discussed before about Snyder, how much money is Dan Snyder willing to deal with escrow and things like that. So it takes them out of that game. And then that's why we started looking at guys like an Andy Dalton or Jacoby Brissett, guys who could know, be one of the 32 starters in the league. Yeah. It won't cost much because they're viewed as sort of a spot starter more than a guy you want to build around. The one thing I do wonder now to some extent is are they even going to be willing to spend what's needed for those guys. Dalton's got 3 million last year which would be nothing, but he had a pretty good year and we'll see if the Saints don't get Derek Carr, do they go back to Dalton and say come in here. Rivera also said at least to me that you know, you can't pay up to a certain point because then that person's automatically going to be the starter and we don't want that. We want to have some sort of a competition. So there is a big difference between signing an Andy Dalton Jacoby Brissett type, even if you're willing to say they're gonna Sam Howell's gonna start over them, versus say a Chase Daniel, who to your point about somebody who knows the system. If it were Eric Bieniemy, Chase Daniel was with the Chiefs under Andy Reid yeah. as the backup for three years, but he is a backup. Like that's not competition, realistically. They they confront it, but that's not a competition. That's this is a guy who's going to be the backup. So we if, if you get past Dalton and Brissett, I'm just those feels like the the, the end. It doesn't I'd actually then start to question the competition aspect but that's what we'll see we don't know what the market's going to be what how many teams are actually looking for some kind of a starter how many want like is Tampa Bay rebuilding are the Raiders rebuilding or are they gonna you know try, try to go for something bigger um and so we don't know the full market but you know definitively we know they're not spending on on something somebody who costs a ton of money or picks but now it is a question of well where where's that level between Somebody they want to get, someone who could potentially block how, and somebody who's just there to maybe, what you're suggesting, help the new coordinator, whoever yeah. that would be, get how and the whole offense acclimated.
2: That's what I expect. I expect them to sign a quarterback at the price points you're talking about that has a relationship with whoever the offensive coordinator is, so they serve not only just as a backup quarterback and a fail-safe in case of injury, um, but really as a quarterback coach in the room. And they're going to know that, that that's what their role is when they come in. And then at the same time, I would expect them to either pick up or draft later in the draft a quarterback to have one in development. I mean, I don't think that's a high pick, and I certainly don't think that that's um, the way they need to view their high picks this year. Um, I think they have too many other issues that they need to kind of address in the draft. However, draft a quarterback every year, especially in the circumstance they're in now. I hundred percent, I would do it. Yeah. So like, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round, you know, I I would anticipate that one of those picks is used on a quarterback as well, just based on they don't have a lot of them in this system right now. And they kind of need somebody else to be there. So that's what I expect to happen. Um, Short of, again, what we don't know, which is. You know, I don't think the Bears are trading Justin Fields, but what if they are? You know, like that, I think you might have to change your mind and get into involved in a conversation like that. Like, I'm pretty sure the Ravens aren't trading Lamar Jackson. And I don't think this team is positioned to go after him. But I don't know how you don't at least raise your hand and say, what do you want for him? You know, because it, that's a massive upgrade. So uh, those two things not happening, and I'm assuming that they're not. This is what I expect to happen. And I agree with you. I don't think that they're going to get Jacoby Brissett. He's above the pay grade line that they're probably looking at. And I'm I'm waiting to see who they I think it's been interesting, you know, that like we've heard really kind of nothing about like quarterback beyond how at this point, because I think the offensive coordinator is going to be told, who do you want us to go get to get in the room for you to help you? And that's that's why I think it's going to go down like that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, OK, so there we go. So just if you take nothing away from this conversation, Sam Hal is not locked into starting week one. No, he he may at the moment, since there's effectively no other quarterback, or at least there won't be once Carson Wentz is, is released, Um, then he, there is nobody else to consider. And he, Sam Howe would, would be gr- a great story. I don't just mean, you know, emotionally. I mean, for the team, if he actually could be the starter, making less than a million dollars a year, that would be huge for this roster building and this thing going forward. But they're going to bring in somebody else. But now we'll see where is that bar. Is it the Andy Dalton who would be, by the way, the Ken Zampezi version of what you're discussing, somebody who knows yeah. what Ken Zampezi wants. I mean, it probably don't have to do it as much because Zampezi was already here, but to some extent, and uh a Chase Daniel, perhaps, if it's a B enemy. Um, speaking of which, let's get to the coordinator stuff. Uh yes, but well, we, we all asked Rivera to some degree about is Bien are you guys waiting on Bianomi? He said yes. So, you know, he kind of hedged it with me to say, well, I can't talk about anybody, but you know, wink right. wink. And, and it, it was a little more formal with 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 some others um it certainly feels like I wouldn't put say that he's the favorite look Eric Bannamey's been interviewed for a lot of jobs head coaching jobs primarily and has not gotten any of them um you've heard about some poor interviewing or there's other aspects and maybe their teams have been have been shy shying away from his uh two years as offensive coordinator at the University of Colorado were miserable if you look at the stats for the for that offense. Um, and of course, you know, he doesn't call plays. Maybe that wasn't used as a knock for guys like Matt Nagy when they got hired as a head coach. But it does seem like it's working against him. And that's why coming to Washington could work for bien because he would be given that chance. Um, that said, so they've interviewed six people officially. One of them, Charles London, has taken another job. No second interviews. Yet the Ravens are already have had second interviews and they started this process after Washington did because they were in the playoffs. Um, it really I I I guess I would don't understand why they're not doing that unless this really is either a we're waiting for the enemy because we're gonna hire enemy or I know you said you thought it would be an outside hire, but or, or like we the fallback is Zampezy and we don't need to interview him a second time. So it's like I get. I think that's that's
2: become uh, to me a major fallback. I thought initially because of all the things we've talked about, mainly with uncertainty with the organization, that they would have. You know, there's a lot of reasons why it might be hard to get the guy that you want to come here, just not knowing what the future looks like beyond this year, assuming that a sale is going to take place. So I could see anybody on the outside asking am I going to get fired in a year? You know, like, so I, and I, I think that'd be a reasonable thing to ask Rod Rivera about. And I'm not sure that he can even answer that question frankly. Like, I mean, not honestly, he doesn't know what's going to happen with the sale and we'll find out what his future is as well. So all that stuff's kind of in play here, but, um, and, and I, so I was skeptical that they would go to the outside, but I've heard too much from the inside of the building and listen very closely to Rivera saying, and I actually think this will be very refreshing. This is another, I, I would think this is a refreshing thing for the fan base to hear a little bit. Um, Ron Rivera, and I mean this in the lightest way, you know, like, and, and don't mean it disrespectfully at all. He has run the organization on the football side with authoritarian rule. Like everything goes through him. All of his, all the decisions go through him. Um, his coaches work under him. Uh, it's all under the way he goes about it. And that's fine. Like, that's how it was set up in the first place. This was really one of the first times that I've heard him say, I do think we need some fresh ideas on that side of the ball. Um, and that's why I'm willing to open it up. And I want to hear from these other people. And, um, and that's why I think they're going hard to go after somebody um, from the outside that's in systems that they like, and that he's open and open minded to it. And I actually think that's a pretty good development honestly, because I haven't heard a lot of that, you know, really from him. And, you know, it's not to suggest that that was the wrong way to go about it. But like those first three years were um, everything will be done my way, my way or the highway. That's it. And in this case, it's the first time I've heard him basically say we do need some outside opinions of how to run at least this side of the ball. And we're going to be open to it. And uh, to your point about not having second interviews, um, I think they know what their fallback is if they have to, it either be Ken Zampese or Pat Shermer. Um, and they actually are, I think genuinely trying to attract Eric B to come here and he may or may not do that. And if he doesn't, then I don't know if Anthony Lynn wants to move from the West coast or not. (laughs) I think that's probably the biggest question with him, frankly. And then, uh, and then I do think it would be a fallback option if they, you know, quote unquote strike out.
1: Yeah, no. and, And, um, Nonetheless, you know, at least we got, again, it's like with a lot of things that were happening yesterday. I don't think a lot of it was necessarily surprising, but in some cases, at least the first time that Rivera addressed it since they became topics, including, you know, Biennium and and other components of um, the OC search. All right. So, uh, look... We'll probably talk a lot about more because there's tons of other things that are happening but so i'll just let you go on this i guess just for you is there anything else whether it's something that was else happened yesterday that i didn't even get to or just something else like what's for you as you're talking to your uh to, to your audience uh on uh over on uh, six thirty, what what do we what are we uh, what, what are we thinking about? What are we care about? What, what's making Bram Weinstein excited these days?
2: I want to get the coordinator stuff over with because I do think free agency is a big deal for this team. Um, not just what they do with Payne and Curl specifically, and then the decisions that will come with Montez and more. You know, more importantly, Chase Young, how they kind of handle that. Um, there are holes on this team this time of year. We typically start going through you know certain areas that need to be addressed with free agency, and I think we've been caught up with quarterback, coordinator, Sale, uh, Duran, and have lost sight of, there are massive gaps in this roster that need to be filled and can't all be done in the draft. And I look at linebacker and I'm sitting there going, I don't see a path to them drafting one very, very high here. I think it's corner or tackle likely in the first round and maybe the opposite in the second round, because fortunately for them, both positions, at least at this stage, look actually very deep, which means are they bringing Cole Holcomb back? And if they're not, who are they looking at, and what kind of price point are they looking at there? So those are the things that I'm kind of looking at now. Like, what are they doing at the offensive line, and what are they doing at linebacker? Because it's not just going to be the draft that fixes it. They have to do things via free agency. And linebacker screams to me at a position that we should be looking at very closely with who's available out there, what the price points are going to be, as they need an upgrade there badly, very, very badly.
1: Uh, absolutely, I wrote the other day on the site about. There are other free agents besides Tron Payne. And here's sort of what the, the the quick snapshot looking at each other one of them is and if they were to move on. In some cases, like Holcomb, they gotta figure out a replacement plan. Uh, all right, lastly, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh I meant yeah. to have give us more time to discuss, but we'll just I'll just give you the 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 quick what's your big thing that you think is the key to the game and what's your prediction?
2: So um I think the key to the game, to me, is gonna be the same one. Uh that the Bengals had with the Chiefs, if you can somehow limit Chris Jones and don't let him blow up plays, I think the Eagles are going to move the ball relatively effectively on Kansas City. Um, I think they should be the favorite here. And that the only real difference, obviously, is uh Pat Mahomes may be the best, you know, young quarterback we've ever seen. So I don't really want to put anything past him because, like, obviously what he did a couple of weeks ago, what he did the week before, what he's done the first, you know, five, six years of his career. Um, he, you know, he's a great and greats do things that, you know, I think you can't really quantify or prognosticate. That said, I do think Philadelphia has got a way better team and I don't think Cincinnati based on their injuries on their offensive line, really, were going to have much, like I felt like Kansas city was going to have to win with their defense and largely they did. Um And I don't think Chris Jones is going to have the same impact against this offensive line um, that he did against Cincinnati's beat up offensive line. And if that's the case, and Kansas city is going to have a hard time stopping Philadelphia's run game, which I think is going to be a major problem for them. um, I could see Philadelphia eating the clock, getting a lead, shortening a game, and they are able to score if they have to. So um, I like the Eagles here, um, and if it wasn't for Mahomes, I like being as great as he is, I'd like them handily. But because Mahomes is who he is, I assume that this is a one-possession game. But I think Philadelphia is going to be throwing a parade next week.
1: All right. Well, that's a uh, unsettling scene you're leaving us with. Uh, you what, are. Do you think
2: Kansas City's winning? Uh, I'm. I am
1: predicting. The Chiefs, I don't look at this from the X's and O's standpoint per se, although I don't disagree with anything you said. I look at it more from like, I want to see Jalen Hurts in what's easily going to be the biggest game of his career, but not just because it's the Super Bowl, but because he didn't have the Eagles, as we know, had a pretty easy schedule most of the year. They weren't challenged a ton, maybe except for a certain week 10 opponent did that to them. Um, but like you know, these
2: two playoff games. I can, I can tell you this much: Kansas City will not run the ball fifty times against them. <laughs> right? Probably I can tell you probably, that much.
1: <laughs> probably not. Um, but but like you know, they obviously these two last two playoff games were you know to give Eagles some credit for it, but they were relatively a joke uh, for a variety of reasons. And this is the biggest spot. And I that to me, it's always there in all the discussions of who's the goat or whatever it is in esports people I just think often misidentify or they eat the equate the regular season and the postseason these are very different things I- including from the pressure standpoint how the opponent fa- handles you all that goes with it and we see you know not everybody meets that their normal level I'm not saying he won't I want to see what Jalen hurts does and because I know what Mahomes is going to do I'm gonna go with the Chiefs
2: but yeah well, I think be- the one other thing that I would just kind of bring up I it, it you know Cincinnati missed a massive opportunity. I mean, Mahomes was was really marginalized. And the fact that they didn't bring uh, more pressure on him to force the issue, even if it burned them a little bit early with a couple of big plays, to me is a grave mistake that they made. Um, and I also thought that the Chiefs defense is way better than it was a year ago. And I felt going in, like, because of Cincinnati's offensive line being beat up, that they could potentially win on defense this particular week, especially the way Chris Jones is playing. And kind of both of those things, I think, manifested into a closer game that Cincinnati should have been in. I mean, Cincinnati should have won. They had this opportunity. This isn't Philadelphia. Philadelphia has the best offensive line in football. Um, if Jones is not able to be a game wrecker, I think they're going to have a hard time stopping the run. Um, and then secondarily, Philadelphia is an extraordinarily aggressive team. And I assume that they're going to challenge the Chiefs early and they've got people like Hassan Reddick and Sweat and these pass rushers, they're not going to sit back and let Mahomes just sit back there and get comfortable. It's not going to happen. And I mean, just think about all these receivers that are hurt for Kansas City. Um, do you like them in a matchup against Slay and Bradbury? I don't. Like, I actually don't like this matchup at all. And it really honestly, if it was, if it wasn't for how great Mahomes is, I actually don't think this game would be close. But because I, you know, to your point, and, you know, I trust that this. there's no way this guy gets blown out. But if this could be, to me, the Super Bowl of a couple of years ago against Tampa, where they weren't really in it. Like, they were playing a superior team and weren't really in it. And I have a funny feeling that that could happen here again. And I'm with you on Hertz, with the exception of everyone keeps saying, like, oh, they didn't play anybody in the playoffs. They routed those teams. <laughs> Like in a stage didn't look too big for him in either one of those they routed them so I I just I think Philadelphia's had the best team the whole year we got to see them up close. I don't know what their flaw is um I think I think what's scary about them I'm jealous of it here what's scary about them is I think they're set up to be very good for a very good window here whatever that means in the NFL these days like a good two three five year window that is a tremendous roster that unless Jason Kelsey retires and Lane Johnson retires and they don't get adequate replacements for them, I'm not really sure what their weaknesses are. They're young. They're fast. Their moves in the offseason were none of them went wrong. Like they just, you know, I'm jealous of what they're doing up there. And I I think they've been the best team all year. And I think they're going to show it on Sunday. The score may not reflect it because Mahomes is great. It may be close, but I bet when we we talk about this next week, you're going to not think it was actually that close.
1: Look, if the Philadelphia wins, then we can officially say the only starting quarterback this year to beat the Eagles in a game in which Dale Hurts started was Taylor Heineke.
2: That's right. So there he's you got, go. He's a magic man. I mean, the, the other, the interesting part too, the other comparison thing, and this is what scares me about the Eagles. Like, I, I like to tout as a, a giant Washington fan forever, the greatest era in football history is Joe Gibbs in the 80s and early 90s, where in a 10-year period, the team goes to four Super Bowls, Wins three of them with three different starting quarterbacks, and none of them are in the Hall of Fame. Like, name something else that's more impressive than that. Well, Philadelphia is in their third Super Bowl with their, in this century, with their third different coach and third different quarterback. The first two are definitively not going into the Hall of Fame, and the third one's got a long way to go to get there. Like, that's pretty crazy. That's organizationally, that's crazy that they've been able to do that, to rebuild, tear down, and do it again. And it makes me wish that Howie Roseman wants to go to Amazon and call games and get out of that front office because whatever they're doing, it's right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, All right. uh, Normally, at this point, I I read off uh, the guests uh, where to find the guests because they have just like a Twitter handle and one outlet. You have an empire. You you got 100 (laughs) things going on. Tell everybody (laughs) where they can find uh, Bram Weinstein if they want to uh, keep up with everything you're doing.
2: Uh, let's see. Okay. Well, this time of year, ESPN 6.30, 3 to 6 p.m., 6.30 a.m. Um, they, uh, You can hear me there in the afternoons. Uh, let's see. Empire Media is my podcast company that I own. I do do a couple podcasts there, but mainly it's others that host those. You'll know John Kime show. Um, obviously, I call the games for the commanders, but we're a long way away from another game. So you'll find me there on Sundays starting in August when we find out who we're playing first in the preseason. I'll be doing some coverage of the team as well through the draft and free agency and all that stuff as well. I'm still mad at them that they didn't take me to the Super Bowl with them, but I'll let bygods be bygods. And uh, let's see, what else? I think that's it for now. I teach a class at AU. If you ever want to learn about sports journalism, you can take my class. So there's that too. <laughs> Plus you're into the horses. Into the horses. Uh, I don't do anything specifically with anybody currently, but I'm always open to it because I really like, I love horse racing. It's number, it's number two for me to like, Go deep dive into the NFL for me. I'm the all in football lifer. If the if that was the only thing I had to do in my career, like professionally, I'd probably be happy just doing the NFL. Uh, but um, but you know, it's nice to be uh, versatile, do other things too. And I how would,
1: how how would you and Steve Wino not start out a horsey
2: podcast? <laughs> because nobody will listen to it. That's why. <laughs> like you know, that that to me is like. That's my, I love that, that dates back to my dad took me to the track when I was a kid and I got into it when I was a kid. And I also, I love statistics, analytics, and most of all, I love being right. So I'm the person, when I do go to the track, I still enjoy the process of reading the racing form, trying to come up with a conclusion based on analytic fact. And then, you know, none of it really matters because you have no idea what the condition of the horses are that day. (laughs) Like there's no injury report. And so you're guessing like anybody else, but you're educated guessing, and there is nothing like being right. Nothing. So yeah. like, so when that when you pick that horse that's eight to one and he crossed the finish line first, there's kind of no more exuberant feeling of you were right and you had reasoning behind it. And so that's that's my nerd sports thing. I love horse racing because they put a lot of numbers in front of me. I get to look at them, analyze them, and come up with a conclusion. And if I'm right about that conclusion, I feel like smartest person on earth.
1: Uh yeah, when I was a, a a a a wee 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 kid, my mother somehow put a bet in on Spectacular Bid to win the Kentucky Derby and then went on to did actually win, which is why Spectacular Bid is my favorite horse ever. Uh but like that got me into it. And then my dad used to take me to Rosecroft all the time and taught yeah. me how to read the uh the, the, the racing form and all that. Um, we may have
2: seen each other there and didn't know it because that was my dad taking me to Rosecroft race check, <laughs> which was the harness races also. Yeah. And my father, as he got older and was kind of, you know, either, he never really retired, retired, but he always worked for himself. And so he was kind of semi-retired. He would take me to Laurel all the time mm-hmm. and he would take me to this place called, uh, what was the name of that place? It was up in Urbana. Um, it was a major OTB up in Urbana that closed. He would take me up there all the time. Um, and so he taught me how to read the racing form. And my dad was also very lucky. He would win a lot. Like it was, she was like uncanny that at some point he would hit some race and come home with more money than he came in with, which was, is unusual <laughs> for that sport. So that's addicting too, that when, he he, you know he's gonna hit then he goes where do you want to go to dinner and he's like you pick and so you know it was fun times
1: absolutely all right bram appreciate it man um we'll see what happens Uh, this won't be yesterday what won't be the last busy day on the commander's beat we all know that uh we'll talk soon all right see you then